morning, everybody, and welcome to the Mary Griffith Show for this Friday, January 31st, last Friday, last day of the month. Scott Hardy, glad to be on. I'm sorry, it's a Tuesday. I'm wishing it's a Friday. This Tuesday, January 31st, I'm Scott Hardy. Uh, and it's a special edition of the Mary Griffith Show. We are celebrating our 98th birthday this year, and we look back at our 60th birthday party, which happened back in 1985. Here's past WTAD radio broadcasting great Jeff Myers. He's interviewing WTAD legends Hal Barton and Ralph Lewis back in 1985. Let's turn down the music there. We're going to say hi, gentlemen. How are you doing? Please, no talking amongst yourselves. Hi, Hal. You mean we can't uh, discuss how much we're going to get out of this? Well, yeah, you get the uh, you get scale. Didn't I tell you that? The scale. 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 You, you, kind you, of a scale. Yeah. Hal gets I'm, to I'm sing. Fish scales. <laughs> Hal sings the scale. Hey, what is a dignitary, Hal? Yeah, well, that's, that's something that's... Uh, uh, comes out of a ghetto, I think. Oh, I think so, because I've been called out. everything. And, uh, yeah, well, a dignitary or an ambassador to Rome, I think you meant. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. Nice to have you here, by gosh. We're, Thank you. We're going to go down memory you, lane. Jeff. And, boy, the great stories uh, always come about from you two gentlemen, don't they? Well, I'm glad you've got Ralph Lewis here, because Ralph Lewis was a, a big help in this station. He big, helped me right. a thousand times. <laughs> and I didn't say that because of girth. <laughs> you know, I've been trying to think of something. If you don't mind, if I say something ahead of time here, you no, you go ahead. This is your show. I, no, it's, but this has to do with television. And I've been racking my brain to think about the TV show that you had and, and what night of the week, what night of the week you had it, and who uh, I know about the sponsor and the zany things that you did on that show. But who? What was that? Was that Dragnet? Dragnet. Uh, actually, it was reruns of Dragnet. They call it yeah. Bad Seven Fourteen. Yeah, I believe that's right. Yes. And then, uh, when they had the boom, ba boom, boom. You yes. Know, and I came in with some kind of a screwball commercial after that. <laughs> but they were really uh, well done. We were trying to think uh, just earlier, Hal, who uh, wrote the commercials for that? Uh, wasn't his name Noto? A fellow by the name of Noto. He's kind of a zany guy himself. He he'd fit right in with the crew they have here right now. Uh, <laughs> Noto is that a name? That's a that's a foreign car, Ralph. Please, no. I wonder about this Noto. I was thinking of di- locally here, though, Alfred. No, no, he was from the east somewhere. Yeah, and he wasn't here too long, but he's a pretty good writer. But he loved to do way out stuff. Everything well, uh, wasn't Don Summers involved in it too, leader. And then then Mrs. Meredith came in and and. Uh, when those gentlemen left and continued I think, the, yes, it did. Continued the thing. The one I do remember real well when you had a live turkey on the program. Who were, I, I didn't know you were there. I was there. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Ralph. Very good. Very good. Uh, you haven't slipped the Yeah, I do remember. You know, I haven't thought of that in ages. Now that you mentioned it, I do remember that darn live turkey flopping around all over the studio. Hey, Jeff, uh, Byer, I'll tell you a little something about that show. Uh, Ralph Lewis did that for a bakery here in town, and... Uh, well, they're neither one are in existence now under right. any such name. Yeah, you see what we did to them. Yeah, that's what I did to GB, too. <laughs> I put them out of business. But anyway, uh, uh, you, uh, Ralph did this show, and this bread, there were, in, the, in the area, I'd say there were about ten different bakeries that were very prominent and uh, did a pretty good job. But this particular bakery, I think, was number 11 on a list of ten. And when he started doing the program, and I learned rather factually that it got to be number two and three at the when yeah, they, they really did increase their uh, truckage you know I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. like, they tripled it you know yeah. is that the term now truckage truckage yeah. is that a good word yeah. truckage I like it <laughs> but uh, really people I think began to tune in for the commercials rather than the well they did the they program. did this one particular grocer from up at Augusta I can't recall his name I happened to have dinner with him one time 
in the blossom of that show. And he said that people come in there and say, do you see that zany Ralph Lewis last night and the silly stuff he put on? And he said the man would always do that and go out and pick out a loaf of bell bread, which was your sponsor. Oh, there were some really screwball ones. I tell you, <laughs> I think one of the most uh, interesting ones, Hal, the most popular, was when they uh, built a... Uh, entire set on, in the studio of a duck blind. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. And, uh, yeah, and then they had me all dressed up like a duck hunter, you know, even with the shotgun and the whole works, you know, and then me peeking out of the duck blind. I remember the very last thing, I don't remember all, everything about it, but the last I saw ducks up there, so I shot, you know, <laughs> and then uh, instead of ducks falling, loaves of dandy bread fell down. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of bagged your limit, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I held the loaf of bread up, you know, looked at it, and I went, I looked real disgusted and went, quack, big quack, quack. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's as corny as it was. Oh, that's how ingenious we were. <laughs> it was just the crumbs, yeah, man, just the crumbs. Yes, Let's take right. a quick phone call, yeah, man, if we can. Hi, you're on with Hal and Ralph. How you doing? I've got a question for Hal Barton. All right, go ahead. How long was that Pepsi Please show on the air where he'd call, and if they said Pepsi Please, they would win something? What, would they win Pepsi or... Uh, well, they, oh, they, uh, they'd win a Coca-Cola caller. No, right well, that, right I, that. I thought yeah. he gave away a prize. And they got didn't. a Pepsi picnic cooler with plenty of Pepsi in it, and then if they didn't uh, say Pepsi Please, they would... Uh, uh, get a, a coupon for a carton of Pepsi anyway. Mm -hmm. So how long was that on? Uh, oh, I'd say, uh, well, it started uh, shortly after television because the man on the street went off the air because we were short of people to be in the studios and all that sort of thing. And, and I think it was around 54 or something like that that it went on the air. And, and uh, we kind of conceived the idea and uh, the people bought it. And it stayed on until, uh, oh, very... Shortly before I left here. About 1973 or 4 then, Carl. Yeah, I'd say that's something like that. Yeah, because I remember that when I was little, and every once in a while somebody would surprise you and say Pepsi, please, and not too often. I hope so. Though. Well, <laughs> I bet it was 60% of the time they had it right. Oh, well, maybe, we, had yeah. a, we, we gave a lot of them away. Sure. Certainly did. Yeah. All right, Carl. Okay, that's all. Thanks. Okay, we appreciate thanks that. Thanks for calling. And to this day, many of you remember answering your phones with Pepsi, please, while the program was on for the 20 years. As the discussion continues, Hal and Ralph mention voice and diction teacher Enid Ireland and others who helped give so many in radio their career starts. Ralph here, uh, Jeff, he, he started at the station when you were in high school. Yes, uh, I was telling Jeff yesterday that my first broadcast using a WTAD microphone was in 1935. Is that right? Yeah. And then... Uh, uh, that was, however, with... Uh, see, I was with the Community Little Theater a lot. Yes. And they had a, what, a program called the Community Little Theater of the Air. Mm -hmm. And uh, they invited me up to do some stuff on that kid Promotional stuff. Promotional stuff. Yeah. Uh, and uh, actually, dramatics. Oh, I yeah, see. I was in a lot of dramatics in those days. And uh, Who uh, hired you? Well, uh, I believe... Now, uh, let's build this up just a little bit. Let me see. That was 35. And then in 36... Um, I was a charter uh, member of Miss Enid Ireland's radio workshop. That's one of the great ladies. Yes. Uh, Jeff, uh, she's a teacher here that taught, uh, mm -hmm. she taught a class of, uh, and particularly, uh, it was theatrical to a certain extent, but it was primarily radio. Radio. And, of course, a lot of famous people came out of that, you know, 
Sam Becker, Trial John Anderson. Well, not John Lewis, Anderson. But, yeah, well, <laughs> Sam Becker course, and, yeah. and uh, John Anderson. But um, I, I, I became Quincy High School's first radio announcer. We did oh. a show up here every week called uh, Keeping Step with the Schools. Is that what it was? I come in as a Keeping Step. And then the theme. Uh, let's hear more of that, Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> then the theme came out. You know, they had the Stars and Stripes Forever, <laughs> the theme. It was a scripted show with Miss Ireland oh, having yes, written yes. the script. And then a little bit later, they, they had a second program. So... Uh, in 1936, I, I was doing programs regularly up here, and I wasn't very old then. <laughs> no, you weren't, I should say not. But I remember you quite well, and then uh, you got in here yeah, on a regular then, basis. Yeah, uh, then I, uh, in my second year of college, I went to Quincy College. In my second year of college, I got a call in the summertime, early summertime, and uh, I, uh, I think it was Dick Fisher. Not Don, Dick Fisher. And he said, Ralph, you'd like to come on up to the station to make an announcer out of you. Well, I had nothing else to do. <laughs> so I said, I'd be right up. <laughs> so well, uh, I, they sent me down on one of those old Collins outfits, you know, yeah. the control boards. And uh, I I think that Dick Fisher did, wasn't there much longer after that. You know, he became the, he became a... Uh, famous, well, pretty famous newscaster in the Oh, networks, yes, oh, yes, yes. And, but Don Fisher stayed a little while. And then um, I was hired then full-time. See, I only worked about, oh, 30, 35, 40 hours a week occasionally. But I was hired full-time then in uh, uh, 41 when I graduated from college. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't here very long then, of course. Yeah. Because in August of 41, uh, Uncle Sam decided I ought to have a big I, trip. To I hear you got a nice trip. Yeah, I went all the way to the South Pacific on that thing. <laughs> you always wanted to travel abroad, didn't you? Oh, I got that. <laughs> so I, uh, I was up here. Uh, and, well, uh, some of the early stuff, Hal, that perhaps you don't recall yourself, really, um, there was a group up here. We had a lot of live stuff on the air at the time. Yes, it did. And uh, we had a little group called Cy Freckles and Froggy. Do you remember them at all? I, I remember them uh, uh, because I got to know the one uh, Freckles. Yeah, Freckles. Was, it was Rusty Draper. Yeah, right? turned out to be Rusty Draper. Of course, that didn't mean anything to me then, but mm-hmm. he, he was just kind of like a kid. And, and Cy, whoever his last name was, I don't know if it was Draper or not, but he, that was his, his uncle. Actual uncle, yes. Yeah, actual uncle. And then I can still, in my mind's eye, see this bass player. Big stocky fella, and he had the, he wore these real thick glasses. You know, you, I guess he had an awful time seeing you know. And something on that. It was a, a really a good little group. Yes, it was. And it wasn't too long after that when they left that we picked up this Hank Stanford's Dude Ranchers. And you they see, were they were look, something else. They really were. They were great, and uh, they stayed here at the station quite a well, several years, and it was a lot of fun to. Oh, well, wasn't uh, Bert Phelps a part of that group? Well, yeah. Now, here's uh, somebody playing the accordion. I, I see I have a picture in front of me of, of Hank Stanford's new drink. Now, this is the Midwesterners, isn't it? Uh-oh. Oh, wait a minute. Here's Hank Stanford. But see, that's not Bert Phelps. No, that isn't. But that fellow must have stepped out and uh, Bert uh, become part of it. That looks like McNeil there, but isn't no, it? No, that isn't. Now, here's Hank Stanford here. Yeah. And this, I used to know this guy's name. This is Cowboy Steve. He, later on, you know, he became uh, an engineer. An engineer down at the Hannibal Studio. Yes, he did. Sure did. So, and uh, they were very popular in this area. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine them making very much money at the station, but then, of course, they played for dances, you know. <laughs> Didn't uh, Joe Viley, is that the correct last name? Wrangler Joe, is that right? Uh, I think so, but he was uh, also. Uh, of course, I, much of this stuff that uh, you're talking about right now is prior to my coming mm-hmm. here. That's here, why I'm, I bring you're it You're here in 1943, aren't you, Hal? 43. September 43, from the great state of Texas. <laughs> oh, you're, I didn't know you came from Texas, is that right? 
You are from Texas, huh? Well, not back no, from Missouri. Hmm, originally, originally, but you were uh, down in Texas for I was in Texas for two and a half years at KLUF in Galveston. Is that right? Mm-hmm. You could probably sing Texas uh, folk songs for us, right, couldn't you? Right, right, right. Well, I'll tell you one thing, <laughs> Hal. I mean, you know, they took me in the Army. I tried the best to get out. I thought <laughs> I was, you know. But when I said it, they put that chart up there, you know, and they said, you know, and I... Uh, Read that. You I, thought it was a newscast. And I said, you read no, it. No, I said, uh, see that chart of here? I said, now read those, that first line. I said, what chart? I said, you're in. They're doing Abbott and Costello material again. Oh, I know it. You're in. Men, we've got to take a time out. Can we do that? You betcha. Right. I want a couple of live commercials from both of you. No, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do things recorded. Talking with Ralph Lewis and Hal Barton. As the Mary Griffith Show continues, stay tuned. We'll have more from Hal Barton and Ralph Lewis coming up. We'll check the uh, farm markets as well. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we're at 929 here on WTAD. Nine thirty-one. Let's get now a uh, update on the latest commodity prices from around the area. Let's check in with the Earths of Farmers Co-op for all the latest. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. Corn for March is up two at six eighty-six. May it's up one at six eighty-two. Soybeans for March is down five at fifteen thirty. May it's down six at fifteen twenty-three. Wheat for March is up five at seven fifty-seven. May it's up four at seven sixty-six. Soybean meal for March is down seven at four eighty-one. Lean hogs for February is down at seventy-four seventy-five. Live cattle for February is up at one fifty-nine oh five. Feeder cattle for March is up one at one eighty-five thirty-seven. Crude oil is up at 78.46, and the Dow Jones is up 65 at 33,845. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. We'll get another update from the Ursa Farmers Co-op coming up in the next hour. 9.32, let's get back to our conversation from 1985 here on the Best of the Mary Griffith Show. It's the 60th anniversary broadcast from then of WTAD Radio, with Jeff Myers talking with Hal Barton and, and Ralph Lewis. Hal relates a story about a group of men who put their money together, bought Raybel the goat, and presented the goat to Hal while he was doing his Man on the Street program live in the 500 block of Main Street here in the district. They were there, but right at the after we got the thing on the air and there's no way for to get for us to get away, why they came around the corner with a goat and, and on a leash and this big old nanny goat and she was about oh about four feet high. Good sized goat. Yes, she say. was. Boy, I'm telling you, did they actually give it to you? They gave it to me and. Uh, what did I do? I had nothing to do with it. I, what, I, what am I going to do with this goat? Well, just imagine that. Well, there's a parking meter. That's one time I was grateful for a parking meter. So I, try, I tied her to that, and I went home, and Mike was just tickled to death. He was about seven or eight, I think, something like that. Anyway, uh, I went home, and I know, what in the, am I going to do this <laughs> blasted goat? He said, bring her home. He can, she can stay on the dog pen with, with uh, George. And I said, no way. Anyway, so I went over to see my dear friend Earl Hagenbomber's and ran a plant store at 12th and Oak. And he, he had a pickup truck. I said, can I borrow that? And I told him my plight. And he thought it was very funny. Everybody thought it was funny but me. But I couldn't. I didn't know. How, how am I going to move her? Where am I going to put her? What can I do with her? <laughs> Find somebody who'll take her? <laughs> so uh, Earl's son, uh, Sonny Hagenbomber, 
said he'd help me, and uh, he had a friend who was with him. Can't think of that fellow's name right now. I live right down Hammond Lane from him. And I, he, he just came along, and I said, how are we going to get this doggone goat in the, in the back end of this pickup? And he said, oh, we won't have any trouble. And he said, so uh, I said, we've had lots of goats. And, boy, that gave me an opening, I hope. But I, I didn't say anything for a minute. Anyway, we got out, and here she's standing down there just as docile as can be, tied to that parking meter. We go down there, and he, he just jumps up in the back end. Says, Hand me that leash. Come on, Nanny. She hopped right up in the thing just like nothing. <laughs> just like nothing. And he says, boy, that's a good one. We, I sure wish we had her. I said, buddy, you yeah, have a goat. It yeah. is yours. You're a goat. <laughs> goat was so well-trained, you could have gone to the Sullivan Show with it. Right yeah, on, right, right on. Yeah. Here comes a goat. Uh, Ralph, you were Uncle Ralph Lewis uh, on the Kitty Story Hour. Is oh, that right? Yeah, yeah, I assume good. radio on that, men. Is that right? Every, yes. Yeah, every Saturday. Mm -hmm. uh, we played the... Uh, we had quite a compilation of, of Kitty records, you mm -hmm. know, and, and occasionally I read them a story, too, and I got to be known as Uncle Ralph. Mm -hmm. Uncle Ralph. It went on for a long time. <laughs> oh, it sure did. I remember one time when I was a school teacher, uh, one student came up to me and he said, I'm going to tell you something, uh, Mr. Lewis. He said, I, I probably shouldn't, but when you came up and, and uh, you talked about your last day, I heard that program, and when you signed off on that last day, I just sat down and bawled. Yeah, is that right? Well, that's great. That's terrific. That's terrific. That is. Uh, you, you've been, uh, are you still teaching? No, I'm retired now. Have you? Yeah. Uh, you talked quite a while. Yes, 23 years. Is that right? And uh, the first part of that, the first 15 years of the 23 years was the 15 years that I worked part-time up here. Yes, in, yes. In the summers. Hmm. He's come up here and help us every summer uh, by Ralph taking stints for different people. Mm -hmm. We could get a vacation, and I got to be—I uh, got to be a very important person. I got to be program director, which meant mm -hmm. one thing: you made somebody <laughs> when somebody else was uh, 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 sick or. Mm -hmm. Going on vacation, we didn't have anybody pitch in. You got the you call. Guys, who got yeah. to do it? <laughs> yeah. Years ago, I I was what they called the AM production supervisor, Hal. And yes. I, and I did the same very thing. In fact, one time my wife got so mad, uh, she couldn't we couldn't even get the lawn mowed, you know. Yeah. Because I'd have an early morning shift, and then I had my regular duties. It was kind of like a program director, mm -hmm. you know. And then, yes. And then yes. I pick up. Then I yes. pick up another my regular shift in the evening. I know. Well, uh, several times I was here at sign on, and still here past sign off. Mm. My wife was ready to, you know, yeah. lay down the law. I think <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't last too long. Uh, Ralph and Hal continue to reminisce about the early days of WTAD radio, and they're joined by another WTAD great, Tom Roby. Yes. Hal Barton, uh, you had Spike Jones up here live, you several know, times. several times, time. and he was a real peculiar gentleman. What? I remember one time, you know, he just sat there, you asked him a question, and he paid no attention to the microphone. Just lean back in his chair and talk, no matter where the microphone was. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you had to rush and put the microphone in front of him. Yeah. That's one but thing I he, uh, we got we got to be real, real close friends. And I say that uh, quite sincerely. He, he'd go out of his way anywhere in this area uh, to come over and be on a show with me. And I remember one time they were, were held up. They were coming here for a concert out at uh, the auditorium. And uh, he and his wife, who, she was a starlet and she was a doll, well, they came ahead of the rest of the people in the bus, and he came here, and I had a show at 8.30 for old Judge Coffee, and uh, she drove around and around the blocks, 
Well, he came up to be on the show, mm. and then he went down. Was that right? Yeah, that was. Yeah, I met quite a few uh, famous uh, celebrities on some of Hal Barton's shows. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Sounds like it. Let's have Tom Roby join us. Hi, Tom. How you doing? Hello there. I'm enjoying the program from about, about 500 feet away. You've got a powerful <laughs> phone line, I'll tell you that. <laughs> right. What I would like to, I just heard Ralph and uh, Hal talk about... Uh, Sets falling down on them on both occasions. I'm the one who broke the sets up. Oh, he's the guy that did it. Well, he, he, gave, he gave him a shove. <laughs> and I was home watching it, and it was a, a, a Griesedick Brothers set. How you remember that one? Yes, I do. I sure do. And I set it up and went home. I was watching the show, and in the middle of that. <laughs> <laughs> the set came tumbling down. Oh, boy. Those are happy memories. How'd you get out of that, Hal? Uh, I've forgotten, but it worked out all right. Everybody seemed to enjoy it. It's kind of like the goat. Everybody liked it. Oh, yeah, it. you brought the goat out. That's yeah, how we got out right. of it. Right. Isn't it nice to hear, uh, hear these voices again, Jeff? Oh, it is. It's a great kick for me. Uh, I, I, you know, I've, I've heard some of the people call in and everything, but it's, it's like old home week. The memories just keep flooding back. Oh, yeah, it's, it's some fun moments. Thank you, Tom. It really is. Thanks, Tom. Okay. Tom Roby uh, used oh. to uh, run the board. When uh, early mornings when I was on, I remember some things would happen with him, and I would do things uh, and, about the boss, and, and then I'd always say, Tom Roby, thanks for giving me that idea. Yeah. Oh, brother. Is that right? Oh, you got Tom you get Tom more and more trouble. There you go. We're coming up on 940. We'll be back with more of this interview from 1985 with uh, Ralph Lewis and Hal Barton of WTAD. So the Mary Griffith Show continues here on WTAD. Coming up on 942, welcome back to the Mary Griffith Show, this best of episode. Looking back at the 60th birthday of WTAD back in 1985 when Jeff Myers was interviewing Hal Barton and Ralph Lewis. There's a reference to Hal's competitor with the Man on the Street program. That unnamed competitor is Mary's dad, Charlie Griffith. He worked for WT80 Radio after World War II, leaving to join WGEM in the early 50s. Of course, Mary has been with WT80 since 1988. We'll take another call. Hi, you're on with uh, yes. Hal and Ralph? Yes, I'd like to reminisce with them a little bit. Sure. Uh, I wonder if Mr. Lewis can remember when we used to call Spruce Street between 22nd and 24th Railroad Radio Row. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, we did. I lived on the east side of 24th Street and had a family, <coughs> and it was you and Russell Walsh and uh, Don Nicholson yeah, Don and Nicholson. Reverend Anthony. Reverend Anthony? Yes, and, and you and Nicholson and... And Lewis uh, used to run up and down that street to keep that street <laughs> hot because they didn't want a car. But and they had a walk from 24th and Chestnut with the bus or streetcar maybe was bus I guess. But I remember you spelled quite well. Well, I'll be darned. Uh, there was still another one. Uh, probably you didn't know him. Uh, an engineer, in. Charlie Lutz. Charlie oh, Lutz. sure, Did, Charlie. You remember Lutz. Charlie? Sure, sure. Well, he Charlie lived in that Lutz. same area. Sure. Yep, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We lived across the street mm-hmm. and uh, on the east side of 24th Street. And I've been on a man on the street a number of times. In fact, my father-in-law, one time on a man on the street when they had it, and it was something about what would you have in the kitchen. I don't remember how it was worded. And it went on and went on, and I think he won around two or $300, and it was supposed to be General Electric 
and it was supposed to be an ice uh, refrigerator. Mm. That was the answer, General Electric. Now, what, right. uh, what the question was, I can't recall, but mm -hmm. Grandpa won about $300 and bought that it. He, yeah. Yeah, uh, that, was on, that. <laughs> that was on the inside of down in Kresge's, when Kresge's was on the corner, when the weather would be bad, then you'd go on the inside. Of, uh, down on 8th and 6th uh, and Main lots of times, wouldn't you? How well, we were, uh, uh, well, uh, I think uh, you're thinking about another... Uh, well, ours, what was his name? Pop Pfeiffer, too. Well, yes, but we did ours up here, but uh, in the... Uh, the line, right? Our yeah, line came most down. of yours was in front of the building. In, in front of uh, Carson's and, and, yes. uh, and uh, what at that time was Grant's. Yes. But uh, there used to be one down in front of Kresge's, too. Right? Yes, I, I mean? think that was, uh, if you pardon the expression, another station. <laughs> oh, you think it was? Well, I'm sorry. That's man. all right. No harm done. But there was, there as long as you got there, buddy, that's fine. The but, oh, some, and then you used to have, uh, Hal, uh, you used to have a program and I don't know how much money I won. Um, they used to, you had to have three questions related to each other, and you used to go to the Orphan Theater, and before the show would be, before the movie would go, I don't know if you'd call people out of the audience or I, what. Wasn't that Pot Piper and, and Jack Sexton? Yeah. Yeah, that's who it was. Yeah. Well, that Pop wouldn't Piper. be your side either then, would it? No, uh, no, that's a little before I got here. All these oh. big stars run but together. I, right there. Uh, I won, oh, I don't know how many times I won, and <laughs> some of the questions and answers were silly, but they, they gave me a dollar for each one of them. That's fine. You <laughs> and should. went to Kirkup, and I won up at Kirkup, too. I didn't go, but my questions were used up there. Well, that's fine. You but, Just think what you could have done in Vegas. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or on yeah. a game show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thank you, man. I'll tell you what. I, I bought my... Uh, I wanted a camera, and I used to buy a camera, so you, oh, yeah. <laughs> I still have a camera, so well, that's very good. I don't think I can use it anymore, because oh, yeah. that, that style is kind of going out, but I sure enjoy you fellas this afternoon. Thank you very kindly. Thanks Thank for you. calling. Uh -huh. Thank you so Thank you, ma'am. Pleasant. But I'm going to tell you about one that was one of the most disappointing things, I, experiences I ever had, is Ralph mentioned, I had the pleasure of interviewing a great many people that came here, uh, big known entertainers. Yes. <clears throat> and, uh, and, of course, Spike Jones and uh, Nat, Nat Cole was my favorite of all. He was great. And Bob Monroe, great people to be with, all of them. But uh, we, we had uh, Louis Satchmo Armstrong here, along with the, uh, at the same time we had the uh, Benny Goodman band here. <clears throat> and Benny had a heart attack. He wasn't here, but the one of the guys did it, uh, I think it was a drum or somebody. But, uh, <clears throat> I had, excuse me, I had an interview of about 15 minutes in between the two groups uh, cut with uh, Louis Satchmo Armstrong. And he talked better than I've I heard him tell about things I've never heard from anybody else. And the reason was, we were down in the basement talking, asking him about the days in the Palace Theater, and he and Crosby. And he said, my Lord Daddy Bing. And, you know, and he just, and he went on and on, but what I'm getting around to the disappointing thing, we had a little rule at that time, Ralph, you may recall this, that we couldn't take a, a recorder out to do a remote pickup without uh, an, an engineer threading it up. This was threaded up, I couldn't wait to play it the next morning. It was on backwards, and it didn't pick up on oh, both sides of the tape. Devastating. Oh, that is. Yeah, that is. Oh, it was very disappointing. You, you released it as an album. 
<laughs> yeah. I have hey, yes, yes, a modern I, day. Yeah. I could have syndicated that restaurant. <laughs> uh, Ralph, before we run out of time at, at four, I know you have network appearances where the entire CBS radio network hears you, Ralph Lewis. Uh, That's uh, right, he did. Quincy. First of all, before we go into this one, tell us about, let's talk about well, the... I uh, wonder, uh, how they had this show called Queen for a Day. Yes. Weren't you in on that? No, El, uh, no. Uh, somebody interviewed this lady. Well, I did have one interview with a lady, yes. I was wondering if that was because I, I, I introduced the middle section of it. It, was, it came out of New York, I believe. Yes. But they uh, brought it back to our station, and I introduced somebody, and then I brought it off the air. I had a sort of an opening and closing to that section. Yeah, I, but uh, that was uh, what was unique for us about that was that we here in Quincy were feeding uh, something to yeah. the network Ooh. directly alive. That's you great. know what I mean? That is great. <laughs> then there was one other Hal that was in uh, June of 19... Yeah, let's take one call before we set it okay. up, Ralph. Our right. timing's just it was in, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the air, caller. i got a question for Hal Barton. All right. Okay, when did the Pepsi please show in that used to have just before 12 o'clock? This is a popular question, about, call. Uh, about 74, I think it was. Yeah. 74-ish. Yeah, Summer of time. Thank you very kindly. That was a fun show. Yeah, well, it was one of my greatest pleasures. I never ever won, but I was always ready to say Pepsi, please. <laughs> the other show that I did that I really Thanks, enjoyed. When did, it, when, did it, when did the Pepsi, please show start? First? About 54, I think we determined. Yeah. We have about 20-year run, 54 to 74. Was it always on, like, from quarter to 12 to 12? That's right. Yeah. That's right, yes. That was a long time. For Thank you show, very kindly. Thank was you a good show. Calling. Appreciate it. Okay, bye. Thanks, Connor. I yeah. had a radio show that I had a great deal of success with. And uh, that was when we, and uh, just prior to television, I think it was between, around 47 or something like that, uh, Frank Sinatra got in a big hassle with the, with the band and everything on the Lucky Strike hit parade, and they, they pulled it off the air. So we had 40 minutes to kill, and I had some dead time in there. And, and so I called it syncopation. Yeah, yeah, boy, yeah. I remember that. That's great. I got a couple of recordings finally, on that. We yeah. finally... Uh, well, they finally sold it out. Uh, after a while, it was uh, sold out constantly for years and years and years. Oh, that's great. Six sponsors for three hours. Well, that was one of the most popular shows I think we ever had. <laughs> well, we played a lot of good records. Yeah, we sure did. <laughs> Let's get back. That's the uh, look at the best of the Mary Griffith Show, that segment featuring WTAD legends Hal Barton and Ralph Lewis at 9.51. Time now for a new segment from February of 2020. Mary talked with Doug, Dr. Doug Navasarshan. Graduate of the University of California at San Diego, specializes in rotator cuff repair arthroscopic surgery at Quincy Medical Group. Here's Mary talking with Dr. Doug Navasarshan. Dr. Navasardian is here, and uh, he's going to share with us a little bit about his practice at Quincy Medical Group and a little bit about himself. My first time meeting him, so we'll all meet him together. Good morning. Is your first name Doug? It is Doug, yeah. Doug. I'll, I won't call you Doug. I'll give you Dr. Navasardian, but I always like to know people's first names, too, just in case I have to yell at you. Doug, don't do that. <laughs> so how many uh, radio shows have you been on? Uh, this will be the first one. Okay, and I've done that many orthopedic surgeries. So we are really on an even <laughs> playing field right now, and I, I feel you're no better or worse than me. All right. Okay. Well, a pleasure to be here. Thank you for <laughs> having me. It is a great pleasure to have you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about coming to Quincy. You joined Quincy Medical Group in 2019, and as I'm a member of the Census Committee, and I'm also on a lot of uh, civic boards, and I'm a native Quincy, and I always ask people, why did you come to Quincy? Because we want to kind of replicate you as much as we can. Sure, yeah. So I don't know if you want to replicate me, but... Oh, I will take you. Yeah, I, I came to Quincy really simply that 
they are very much focused at QMG on patient care and providing uh, unparalleled patient care experience. And for me, that is the reason why I became a doctor is to be able to focus on the patient and have them, that's the only person I'm being beholden to. And so for me, that was huge. So when I met everyone at QMG, that was a very obvious fit for me. So. Okay, great. So it was your fellow doctors, the camaraderie there that brought you. Absolutely. Um, are you married? Do you have a family? No. So you didn't have I'm, to worry about the school system or... No, I'm, mar- I'm married to uh, orthopedics. Okay. Uh, that's... That's the number one. Well, ladies, we'll get that solved. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know you were coming out of dating. No, night, did I didn't. You? No. But I, the reason I ask, it was too personal a question, but many times, you know, again, you, your primary reason for coming had to do totally with your work. A lot of other times we have to attract the wife, the children. We have to make that a good fit, too. So, But um, thank you for sharing that because that's great, and we're glad that Quincy Medical Group was appealing to you because we need doctors, and we definitely need orthopedic surgeons. So... When does a person need to see an orthopedic surgeon? And I guess for those who don't even know what orthopedic means, let's start right there at the most sure, base yeah. level. What is an orthopedic surgeon? Sure. So an orthopedic surgeon is a surgeon which they provide care for basically any sort of musculoskeletal abnormality that requires surgery, um, particularly those in the extremities. So it can extend from fracture care to taking care of people with arthritis, or in my case, people with more soft tissue injuries like ACL ruptures or rotator cuff tears or bicep tendon tears, quadricep tendon tears, so a variety of things. So the muscle that also joins the bone. Correct. Because orthopedic I think of only as bone, but it's not. It's that muscle mass that joins that bone Absolutely. that helps move the bone. The muscles move the bone. Absolutely. So, okay. And in my case, that's really where I specialize. Okay. So bones, muscles, and joints, surgical and non-surgical care. Well, let's talk about that. Um, tennis elbow, rotator cuff. You're going to have to help me out because I miraculously have had a couple of broken ribs, but other than that, I've been pretty free from any kind of trauma like that. So um, what well, are some first symptoms that people start to, you know, like I think a lot about the knee. Now, that sure. may not be your specialty, yeah, but sure. that's a typical area where I go see an orthopedic surgeon because I need a knee replacement, right? Right. That's one of the reasons. Um, but, you know, you it, the interesting thing about injuries is they can happen from or the 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 injuries that I see they can happen just kind of coming on on their own or they can happen from a real acute injury so in the case of the rotator cuff for example a vast majority of these are not from an acute event where someone fell or something to that effect it'll be someone who had a gradual onset of pain Oftentimes, they find when they're lifting their arm out by their side or when they're lifting overhead or when they're sleeping, they start noticing pain that gets worse and worse, and then they start having difficulties with activities of daily living. And so that's often how they can present. That's one way. And another way, of course, would be an acute injury where if someone fell or was in an accident or something. Or a baseball player hurling at 102 miles an hour could tear his rotator cuff, but you're not going to see that. Well, no. I mean, that's, you can see it, yeah, but I mean, so that, that's not what the average person is going to present as. Well, I would hope not. Um, <laughs> yeah. no, so most of, the, most of the people I see, it'll be injuries that could occur at work. It could be injuries that occur at home. Or, as I said, they may just wake up one day and feel, now I can't lift my arm the same way. Or, you know, now I can't extend my knee the same way. Or, you know, so vast majority of what I see is shoulder and knee. So 
those being anywhere in the knee ranging from, as I said, like ACL tears, meniscus tears, cartilage injuries, or similarly in the shoulder, rotator cuff tears, labrum tears, things along those lines. Okay. And again, you know, it comes on gradually and we tend to say, oh, I'll just take some ibuprofen and I'll fight my way through it because we don't have a magic internal x-ray machine where we can see where maybe that muscle is tearing. Absolutely. And so we keep repeating the motion Mm -hmm. or maybe even worse, we quit using that limb and then we get kind of frozen up because if you don't use it, you start to lose that motion. And you bring on a very good point. That's That's a huge problem is that people will start modifying their activities, and sometimes they can be hurting themselves with that. And it's not uncommon where someone would come in where they had a little bit of something going on with their shoulder, perhaps a small rotator cuff tear, then they stop using it the same way, they become weak, they lose range of motion, and that can be worse. And if you are ignoring these problems, hoping they'll go away, some of them might, but some of them may not. And in those cases, it's better to come in and be seen rather than just hoping that you can continue doing your labor job and that this thing will disappear. Okay. It's very important uh, that you not let it go too long. And and this is where I'm sure uh, you have uh, the dilemma of perhaps like a athlete or a professional versus the average Joe on the street. Because um, every guy I know says, oh, fight through it. What was that? My husband played football and said, are you injured or are you just hurt? (laughs) (laughs) Because if you're injured, we'll call an ambulance. If you're hurt, get up and go tackle. Um, so I think a lot of people do try to drive through the pain, and that is the worst probably thing you can do because you're just compounding it. Right, and you can make something that would once be repairable not repairable by delaying treatment, and um, not everything requires surgery, but those tears that require surgery or would be best treated with surgery, if you sit on that for too long, you can be setting yourself up for failure. Okay, and the longer you wait to get treated, the more pronounced the treatment will have to be and the more prolonged the recovery usually is. Sure. And, you know, it also depends on whether or not you can fix it at that point. You know, the hope would be that most injuries can be fixed, but there is some point that depending on which injury you're speaking about where there's the point of no return. And that's what we want to avoid.